and suddenly that cold sweat kind of creeps oh, up on dude. our necks. So we've got $2 million in these contracts and, you know, suddenly they stop working and we oh. analyze, 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 figure out exactly why, hit ourselves on the head. We're like, oh my God, how did we do this? And then, you know, I write the postmortem. I freaking cry. Basically, you, you think know. the two million's locked forever. It'll never get it back. Yeah. It's like, like timeline diverted totally, you know, and it's like everything we did up to this point, VCs start knocking on our doors like, hey, here you need $2 million. <laughs> and it's like, we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So the next day we wake up. Unbelievable. You know, we, we, and of course we spent, we spent the whole day doing security ops. We were totally burnt out. So we go to sleep, we wake up, we go to our favorite cafe, sit down and talk. And the community, like our freaking community had our backs. Welcome to Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel. I'm excited today to have Justin Bevis from Byte Masons and Reaper. And I'm excited because number one, he's on one of my favorite chains, Phantom, developing some, some great applications, doing some great work there. But I'm also excited because he's got an awesome pedigree and their ethos of their group is the kind of thing I'd like to see more of across DeFi. So Justin, thank you so much for joining us. You're you're, is Byte Masons a company? Is it a group? Is it a DAO? Yeah, yeah. First group of all, folks? awesome to be here. It is It is our take on a DAO. Kind of we saw a big problem with DAOs is a lack of organization, a lack of accountability. So we're kind of trying to merge a lot of the DAO idealism into a more formalized legal corporate structure. So we are essentially a collective of developers, of marketers, of artists that are coming together as like individual entities to collaborate on software and you know educational projects and and things like that and kind of our mission is to push the envelope a little bit with regards to business standards tell us about yourself where you're from or what's your company i'm a chicago area boy born and raised a 
have like a fairly typical career. I went from high school to working right away, kind of an autodidact. So, you know, a lot of the learning I do is just on my own. I, I don't have a college education, but I read textbooks for fun, which is kind of <laughs> what I counter people who ask me about it with. But yeah, I, I worked at like a health tech company for a while, moving up the ranks. I eventually landed in like a business analyst position wow. where I was working with like Power BI and Tableau and a lot of business intelligence, data analysis, you know, even just Excel, Visual Basic, all of that. So I was managing like huge cubes of customer data and coming up with insights and things. And of course, I wasn't paid to do that, but <laughs> they were like, oh, wow, this guy uh, has that special sort of, I don't know how polite it is to say autism, but I zero in on things and, and I'm very detail oriented. And so I kind of got shoehorned there. And then I realized really quickly that, okay, I'm doing all of this work and I'm not being paid for it. So I started to learn programming like late 2019, like wow. get really serious about it. And it turns out like I ended up being pretty good at it. Were you working on Python at that time or what were you doing? Yeah, I learned on Python as many do. Um, yeah. I used like some edutech app in conjunction with like a book I got on Amazon and I was really going for it. And then I started getting into like the classics, like reading Pragmatic Programmer, reading design patterns, reading fundamentals of software architecture, learning kind of the history of programming, reading clean code, all the Robert Martin books. And suddenly, like I found myself with kind of in an insane like skill set that I didn't really know it was possible for me to have. And I talked to like my computer science major friends and they're generally impressed by my skills, which is really validating. But while I was doing that, I kind of was doing all this business intelligence, uh, a lot of like reconciliation of invoices at, at a pretty big scale and whatnot. And there was an audit, an, an internal audit. It wasn't, we weren't audited by the IRS, but there was an internal audit that we failed pretty bad. Somehow, like $150,000 was just like not accounted for. Ooh. We figured, I, I was able to figure it out with some help from my coworkers, but at that point, I was like, wow, you know, just thinking about accounting and overthinking and overthinking about accounting and, you know, Googling accounting solutions, because I was trying to help my manager who is in way over her head with way too much responsibility. So I was trying to help her out. And Google served me an article about Bitcoin as a like a three ledger solution to accounting problems, which is basically the idea that you have ledger one managed by business party one, ledger two managed by business party two. And then Ledger 3 managed by this universal ledger that is programmatically correct. And, you know, I, I started learning about Turing completeness, about Merkle trees, about cryptography, and how, you know, you can come up with like an objective source of truth programmatically using blockchain. And up until that point, I thought it was kind of, you know, just pump and dump scam. I'm kind of risk averse. So like I was seeing the volatility and I was like, okay, I'm not really going to get involved. But at that point it kind of opened up and I was like, wow, amazing. And then I tried using Ethereum and it was, I think it was mid 2020. It was some huge Uniswap event happened that I wasn't aware of. So I was, I was using Ethereum and I was using it to play like a card game, like God's Unchained or something because I was getting into blockchain and exploring it. And I'm like a Magic the Gathering player. So I was Perfect. like trying to see what's up and it costs 
me $70 to do like a simple transaction. And I thought it was just normal. And I was like, it, it was probably an NFT transfer. Right. Uh, it cost $70. And, and at that point, I didn't know it was totally out of the norm. And there was some crazy Uniswap thing going on at the time. But at that point, I was like, what the hell is this? And I started like looking up other Ethereum-like solutions and realizing, wow, there are all these other blockchains where things are really cheap. <laughs> and in the next week, I found Phantom. So it, it's pretty unique. Like my first experience with DeFi was with Phantom. And that is totally uh, I, unique. Yeah, yeah. And I got in so late to programming, to everything. So like I am, Solidity was the first smart contract or the first uh, programming language that I really mastered, which is wow. super, super, super duper unique. Yeah. I have is. kind of like a native point of view, which is unbelievably helpful. But yeah, I find Phantom. I start reading their papers, which led me to Andre Cronje and reading his Medium articles. And they had like, I mean, he had for the foundation, he was writing in 2018, 2019, huge papers on like tokenomics, DeFi, game theory, consensus, all of that. I started figuring out how blockchains worked. And so, I mean, everybody I'm sure listening had, had that point where everything started to click yeah. and it just like you couldn't learn fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. So this was summer 2020. And at that point, like I kind of like started putting my real job aside and I was just studying literally 12 hours a day, buying tons of books on Amazon, like learning about network science, learning about graph theory, learning about software architecture, learning about design patterns, everything I could, practicing my smart contract engineering, just going kind of all over the place. And, you know, I started getting into security. I started getting into bug bounties, code review, auditing, wow. and just kind of touching on like the, the, the broad domain of DeFi development. Because like what I tell our programmers that, that come on with Byte Masons, we bring on a lot of apprentices. And I, I had some really good mentors, luckily. And I try to mentor as many developers as I can. So I tell them to be a good DeFi developer. You need to be a security engineer. You need to be a programmer. You need to be a designer, you need to be an architect, and you need to freaking know how the front end works so you can help with integrations. <laughs> and, you know, when you're dealing with code bases that are a thousand lines long or whatever, it's not, hard, it's not, you know, impossible to do that. You can just be a total holistic master of the domain. And that's kind of what I pursue with our developers nice. is just getting them to as high level broadly as possible. And I tell them straight up in the interview, like, our goal is to make you as valuable as possible. If that means we can't keep you, then it means we can't keep you. But, you know, you are here to learn and you're here to get better and you're here to be excellent. And I'm hoping in the next year we see Byte Mason starting to drift off and build a name for themselves. And I, I think nice. with the talent we're working with, I think that's inevitable. But, yeah, that's my backstory. I, you, wow. I, you know, ran a cafe before that. But my friend, yeah, that's kind of where I, like, got a lot of my business experience. And then, you know, I did customer service. That's how I kind of worked up to business analyst over uh, a couple of years. So I've been all over the place. I worked at Costco. Yeah, I just, I, I have a lot awesome. of experience and I love learning. Yeah. That's great. I, I love the self-trot thing. And my entire life has been that way. Like I, I barely made it through high school because I was so bored. <laughs> yeah. So, and only yeah. wanted to study the things I wanted to study. And then I got into college and I did like, one after the first semester, I thought there's just no way I can do four years of this crap. Yeah. Went through one more semester and was just 
It's like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. My parents were horrified, but you know, they're, they're pleased with yeah. how it turned out. You show guys like that DeFi and a light goes off and it's kind yeah. of like the ADHD culture. You know, it's like, we're so spread out. We want to learn everything. We want to develop, you know, there's so much information and some people are just sponges. And w when you're zeroing in on something, you want to know that the next day you can zero in on something else. And I think programming is great for that. Just by virtue of Pushing like getting to stopping points and, and yeah. moving to the next, you know, problem domain and getting to a stopping point. And it just fits my psyche really well. And I think nice. there are a lot of people, like I teach my, all my girlfriend's coworkers, I think they're underpaid and treated poorly. So I'm teaching all of them how to code. Nice. Uh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's like, I, I, you know, I'm a big preacher of just freaking anybody can do it. It's not that hard. It's like woodworking right. or cooking or something like that. It just takes focus and, you know, consistency. You don't start uh, them know. off on solidity, do you? No, no, no. I start <laughs> them off on Python, which I think is the most like sensible language, but yeah. not necessarily the, the most useful all the time. But yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I love mentoring and teaching and nice. it's been a huge asset for, for Byte Masons just because I've been mentoring so long. We've got so many people with so much experience that I'm friends with at this point. It just That's kind great. of worked itself out. Yeah, it's funny. I tell everyone when I teach at the local university's MBA program and I tell everyone that I would do it completely for free. I don't tell them that, but but it is the most fun in the world is teaching other people skills. It's yeah. just empowering. It's exciting. Seeing yeah. people kind of evolve and change their lives. It's amazing. That's great. Yeah. People, All right, so people are so desperate for new perspectives. Yeah. And, and like... Regular textbook teaching doesn't, you know, do the trick for most people. So. No, it doesn't. And the skills in computer science you get in college, just you're already behind. Before you start, oh, yeah. you're behind. And yeah, and it's like painful. I need to tell people to forget. Like, okay. Exactly. You know, as if you know how pointers work and you can like, you know, visualize an execution environment in your mind, then pretty much forget everything else. Not really, but um, <laughs> it's, it's like, it just, it's, it's four years of teaching you how to visualize computer systems when yeah. that can be done in some months, but not to knock computer science guys, but I think they just need to teach programming better in my experience, mentoring. Yeah. Me uh, there's just, you know, in my experience yeah. hiring, it has been my experience that the, the best were the ones that were like you self-taught the absolute yeah. best, the ones who went and solved the problems on their own. So, yeah. all right. So let's talk about Byte Masons. You it, it, you were describing it as kind of a collective of people. How did it How did it come about? And was it just you? Was it you and a couple of people? What made you yeah. decide you were going to create it? Sure. So I started Byte Masons like probably September or October of 2020. Okay. And it was really just a place where people could learn together. So. It was a Discord server. All the people I was mentoring and all of my mentors, I invited. We talked about code. We shared resources with the goal of eventually starting some kind of DeFi project. And I was into security enough at that point that I was definitely afraid of starting a DeFi project, which is like really good. I was waiting for like, you know, 100% confidence before I really dove in. So it was just kind of about pursuing excellence and kind of researching and, and studying together. That's how it started out. And then we started like taking freelance work or trying to take freelance work. The problem is like you find out pretty quickly when you're just getting into DeFi freelance is there are a lot of like, 
idea guys, you know, that just have ideas. And when it comes to shelling out for development costs for those ideas, <laughs> they get really like iffy. Yeah. So I would like spend like hours and hours and hours architecting, diagramming, specifying solutions that these people were kind of describing in the abstract ideas guy sort of way. And then they'll be like, and then I'll be like, okay, this will take, you know, maybe eight weeks. And then I would bill them like cheap. I'd be like, okay, this will take eight weeks, maybe $20,000. And they would still back out. And in retrospect, no. it's like I was giving these people crazy, crazy deals. So Insane deals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that happened quite a bit. It was still a good experience, like being able to like, you know, test my architecture skills and sure. client communication skills, diagramming skills and whatnot. And I would like program MVPs for people in Solidity and be like, how does this look? And then I would, you know, walk them through it, maybe overkill for like a layman, but just, you know, learning. So we didn't really have much success with freelance work because it, it would always eventually come to a, like, I'm scared. I don't want to do DeFi type of halt right. uh, with our clients. And so it was really frustrating. So we we're like, okay, you know, we've had, you know, three of these half projects or these like, you know, CFPs. Or, or RFPs rather, that have kind of gone sour. We can't really depend on an external party because, I mean, part of it was like we were security guys, so we were like kind of explaining like the weight of, of doing these. <laughs> you were scaring the hell out of them. And so we were kind of like, <laughs> like cutting our own hamstrings there, like explaining <laughs> to them like the risks. Here's uh, all of the horrible things that are probably going to happen to you if you go yeah, forward with this project. Would I would like, like I would like share. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would share the like the blockchain threat intelligence newsletter. I'd be like, you need to stay on top of this. Help us stay on top of this, and just you know, watch, make sure you know we're on top of all the vulnerabilities. I'll show them like wrecked news, and I'd be like, you know, you're a founder now, so you need to uh, understand all the the implications of what we're doing here. Which and is so, all fair and reasonable, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was kind of from there. Yeah, so that kind of we we hit a, a little bit of a brick wall. So we were like, at that point, I I was just looking for programmers, and so two people that I had been friends with for quite a while, totally unrelated to software or programming. Now now I'm into programming, so I'm realizing all these people I know are in the software industry in some capacity. So are the two co-founders? They go by the Crow and uh, Goober. Um, so a pair of computer science guys, Goober really into security, cryptography, Crow, fabulous front-end engineer. And we all started practicing together. I was teaching them how to do Web3 stuff, teaching Goober Solidity, teaching Crow, like Ethers JS and nice. like industry standard UX and showing them DeFi, kind of getting them excited about it. And then we like started developing like a lottery for practice. We were like, okay, the legal implications, obviously, you know, it was kind of a junk project, but we took it to completion and we were kind of exploring, okay, how can we secure on-chain pseudo-randomness in such a way that even with MEV, it couldn't be gamed. So like using reserve pools as oracles, using like a complex counter system that any user couldn't really have control of, any one user or like, you know, we didn't want, deterministic randomness, even though everything is to some extent. I'm not going to get into it, but long story short, at, at that point, Goober is kind of the more realistic one. I had these plans, and this was in like early, early 2021 to do like NFT bonds wow. uh, for liquidity locking to make locked liquidity tradable. 
And it's, it's nice. Like a lot of the ideas we were having wow. for like early on, we called it Triton security. And the whole goal was just to make liquid, you know, things that weren't typically liquid, liquid. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. No, no, I get it. No, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think, again, I, I attribute a lot of this to, one, me being, like, totally in love with this space, and two, being a Solidity DeFi native. Like, this is this is my native tongue. And uh, so Goober being the realistic one was like, why don't we just fork your and view one? And then we, were, we all thought about it. We are like, okay. So we didn't want to, like, copy all, like, I'm sure you've seen the front end where it's like a bunch of bars and drop yeah. down, no information. So we're like, yeah. what if we could make your MV1, but like in a way that actually sharpens our skills. So from scratch, we, we coded like a really complex front end. We programmed a bunch of analytics and uh, yeah, from there, you know, we started getting better at making strategies and. Uh, so you kind of we, determined that you would take your MV1 and enhance it and make it better. So you weren't just slapping it up and. Yeah, up. yeah. So we on the front end we did that, and then we were like, okay, we're on Phantom, so we can store more metadata without being afraid of like the twenty thousand dollar or the twenty thousand way gas of every storage operation. So we created this feature called historical profit, which it's just like super simple, and it it's actually like you know not bulletproof. We have we've like bug fixed it to hell and back, but basically we accumulate in a in a mapping all the users token deposits and then we use the amount of vault shares they have and the amount they have deposited in the vault to figure out how much profit they've made so we just create a delta using cumulative deposits and cumulative withdrawals so we can track denominated in the underlying token how much profit they've made over time and that's all on chain so it's like 100% on chain analytics nice. live price reads and all of that and I think I personally really like the style. You must get mixed people. Some people, this is like a love-hate thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we showed it to someone or one of our community members showed it to like their brother and their brother said, this looks like a scam. You uh, launched this? Early May of 2021. Oh, wow. Okay, great. And yeah, we've been around for quite a while with no token. 200 mil TVL, no token, I think is. That's uh, No token, no VCs, just you know, all like customer service and, you know, programming, which I think is like the ultimate dream of any DeFi founder. And that was like kind of coming from the phantom Andre ethos of not necessarily hating tokens, but understanding that they are a supreme social engineering tool and they're extremely dangerous and you need to use them with such focused intent that you can account for everything. Right. Uh, Right, but it that is, there has that there's a reason that there's a need and that there's it, it actually has a place, not some yeah. reason. Right. Yeah. Up to this point, we've t spent about a hundred hours talking to lawyers and oh tax God. professionals, and you know we have all the intent that we were looking for and that we've been looking for for these past seven eight months, and we have a corporate structure which I think people will use going forward. Like, I think we are setting standards with the way we're operating business-wise. Nice. Uh, we've teamed up with LexDAO, Smoke oh, Mountain cool. Tax, and a lot of those guys to, to really bat this down and try to make a perfect DeFi corporate structure, uh, which we're excited to, to write about. Got people will be all over that. What, um, is, are you setting this up as an LLC? Uh, you don't have to give me all the details, just kind of out of curiosity. Uh, so basically, 
we have all of our employees make LLCs for themselves individually. Oh. And so all of us are individual contractors. And now, so there's, there's the crypto area below. We are contractors that work on software on the crypto area below. And then above us, we have a venture firm, which we use to take in token allocations because we do a lot of security operations work and DevSecOps and stuff for phantom projects besides our own. So we get a lot of like token allocations just in general. So it's right. like in taking tokens and all of our interaction with crypto, like we don't care about the money. All we want to do is make software. You know, we're not going to, we're just going to operate the DAO as efficiently as we can. And then any allocations or any rewards can be taken in by this venture entity. And it's like creating the impetus for us as individuals to work together via the ventures while maintaining the really, really solid protection, liability protection when interacting with the crypto area, because we just like, we really care about everybody on the team. Like we're all friends and we just want to protect everybody. And we use a company called Opolis for health insurance. And I've seen like, them. That's cool. Stuff. Yeah. So we're kind of like touching on all of the most advanced stuff we can, and then just trying to push it a little bit forward. So yeah, we'll, we'll have that all papered up and we'll write about it. Uh, nice. And uh, we're sharing it with a lot of our, you know, venture clients and uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. So Byte Mason, when you say venture fund at the top uh, and the allocation of tokens, are, are you all planning for that to, that entity to invest in the things that you guys create under Byte Masons or yep. is this something where it would also invest in other projects outside? Bike Masons and our clients primarily, there are like our vision is like, how can we reverse engineer paradigm, but in the context of DeFi as it is currently, because we right. really respect how much software engineering and, you know, applied mathematics paradigm applies to everything um, that they do. Right. So we're like, okay, we want to maintain all this software. We have 16 engineers, so we want to do all this cool stuff, but we, we want to do it in a way where. Like we can get a mortgage, we can exist in real life. We can do this for 20, 30, 40 years without having to like look behind our backs every, every second. So yeah, it'll be us and our clients at first, but it's like, we're, we're planning in five to 10 year timeframes. So the, nothing is really off limits, uh, everything we kind of explore and we're really careful and, you know, research focused. And basically we tell everybody on our team, like, if what you're doing isn't excellent and it isn't better than everything else, at least in some capacity that's on the market or in the market, then what's the point? Makes so sense. that's kind of our mission. And I think like the margins and the excitement as, as they pertain to DeFi is like anything less I feel would be selling our community short. You know what yeah. I mean? How many uh, people on the, on involved in Byte Masons? We've got 26 right now and like plenty of, and I'm mentoring a lot of developers that are kind of on a tra on track to become apprentices and, and make their nice. way uh, up the ladder. And, and like mentoring developers, taking web two developers to web three, building um, trust and relationships is like a really, really big part of our growth strategy because you sure. literally can't hire web three devs. It's impossible. Yeah, you can't get any. So I just put in an insane amount of time, like in our discord, we've probably got 30 of our community members are actively working on becoming either web three or solidity, smart contract developers or security engineers every day. So yeah, we, we go really, really, really hard 
on that side of things. So we're at 26 now. I mean, we're kind of going the growth route, but manageable. We're kind of conservative with with how we spend money. But, you know, this is DeFi. So even even being conservative, you can get a pretty good growth cadence going. So from the perspective of what you've had so far with Reaper, has that really been kind of paying the bills and feeding the whole team to this point? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Between like we've got Reaper, we've got our security product, and then we've got our grants from the foundation, our phantom incentives, which are like huge because that's like all savings and nice. that's all runway at this point. That's the TDL based fund from the phantom foundation. Exactly. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're pulling in a lot of stuff and then we're working on developing like more revenue streams right now. I mean, the token, of course, is like funding, but, you know, we're, we're trying to not rely on a token. You know, we sure. want we want revenue denominated in, in non-token whatevers. Yeah. But yeah. And then we've got like some crazy software coming out that we call the Reliquary, which is uh, MasterChef V2, but we've upgraded it to like 0.8.10 Solidity, We've totally upgraded all the operations. We've bug fixed everything. And then we've added like some crazy features. So basically one, every position instead of managed by an EOA is managed from an NFT. So it's basically your farming position is encapsulated in an NFT and that NFT. So our question was like, we've been against token locking forever. Like we really hate the UX. We think it's like, a really bad thing to do in an experimental market like this. Right. So for months and months and months, we've been thinking, how can we get people to keep their tokens in our system without locking? So one is keeping them liquid. And two is our NFTs mature. So our NFTs over time, if you hold an NFT and keep holding it, the emissions will go up relative to everybody else's emissions. Nice. So it solves like a ton of problems. I think pretty much every problem with, with yield farming. We think we've like really hit the nail wow. on the head here. What's your but, time frame on that? Oh, it's, it's ready to go right now. I, I wow. share it with all of our partners. Basically right now, like I, I wrote it all. And because I don't have like years and years of corporate experience, like my development environment is like pure solidity dev hacker dev environment. I want to get this done. And like my code quality standards are really high. And like, I write really clean code. But when it comes to like prettifying, when it comes to like containerizing, packaging everything, like I, I wrote an SDK and I wrote the smart contracts, but now we've got some of our more experienced team members coming in and making it really developable. Like we want everybody to fork this thing. Nice. And so, yeah, we're, we're just working on making it so you can run tests you know, run end-to-end -end tests in production and deploy everything like super easily in any context and set up your development environment super fast. Wow. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just trying to get everybody to use it because our goal is to build a lending platform on top of it that can nice. take the NFTs that we're giving people and issue loans on them. So, so people yeah. be able to use the NFTs that are actually creating more emissions the longer they hold them but they could also borrow against them so they have cash out for living or whatever else they want to do with it. You got it. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, we think we've kind of like solved all the UX problems. And of course, people will start using it in production and 
they'll figure out new UX problems and we'll have to build further from there. But we, we imitate the MasterChef API that everybody's used to. Nice. Uh, th integration will be easy. Everything will be, you know, as easy as, as we can make it for everybody as far as UX, UI integrations. And, uh, you know, we're developing a front end for it that will open source. And yeah, we, we just think it's, it's better for users if their farming positions are liquid. Making them ages just so people don't withdraw. And yeah. they're, they're incentivized to go to the aftermarket, which kind of plays into the liquidity. But yeah, and then we'll eventually be able to leverage them and then life will be perfect. And we can move <laughs> on to thinking about things that aren't freaking farming. Right. Um, but yeah, that's how we're emitting our token. And, and we're super, super duper excited to, that sounds to get great. everybody on board. Yeah. I, I love the level. I love that people are constantly trying to improve this and constantly working in the space to do that. In terms of Reaper, is this something you guys are constantly actively working on in, in general? Yeah. I mean, what's there now? Yeah, yeah. We've got three strategists that are like nice, super talented. And they're, we've got, we've also got, and this is like for really early strategies, we've got pain.finance. We've got that domain. And that's where we nice. kind of do production testing with deposit limits. We're like, I'm, I'm a urine Academy guy. I'm a big urine head founder. Yeah. Y Academy fellow block zero. And, uh, you know, I was in kernel OX in the security and DeFi track. So I've talked to so many urine guys like doggy and storm and stuff about security and how to secure operations and all that. So we like take a lot of like our safety protocol from them. So how can we keep deploying software? And how can we leverage our internal security skills to make it so any compromise that may happen doesn't hurt the business and we can recover from? Nice. Uh, so that's like a really, really big, like just security operations as it pertains to smart contracts and DeFi. And then we've got, you know, retainerships with auditors. We've got internally for security engineers, you know, myself and our other co-founder, I would say are about as good as they come as far as manual analysts go and, and code reviewers and uh, whatnot. We're really good at uh, catching bugs. Nice. Uh, we're no, we're no Sam CZ son because, you know, we still have to manage things. And so, you know, you have to still do the day job eyes on our stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so pain.finance is kind of your test bed for crazy ideas, whatever the experiments, that kind of thing. And, and that, yeah. can you quickly, let's do this. Let's backtrack real quickly on Reaper and just tell people what Reaper is, how it functions, and then what you guys actually create in Reaper for users to use. Do you mind sure. going through that? Just yeah, you know, yeah. let's do a top level on that. Yeah, so Reaper is a DeFi, a permissionless DeFi investment platform that leverages Yearn V1 architecture. So we're talking super simple vault architecture to execute strategies, complex financial strategies that a lot of users may do themselves or want to do themselves. And we make it all auto compounding and we do everything for the user and we manage users' funds for them or our software does. We don't. <laughs> yeah. And it's totally permissionless. And, you know, so, it, it's. Yeah. So the idea is you're making use of other protocols, mm -hmm. maybe liquidity pools or yield farming or something else and yeah. combining. Um, combining some of these things together to create auto compounding yields for the end user so that they can easily take advantage of it without having to manage it day in and day out. 
yeah. withdraw, stake, withdraw, stake, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. We are leveraging money Legos, as they're commonly called, to generate uh, a return for our users. Um, right. And we're doing it in a secure environment. And we vet all of our projects. We review all of their contracts that we integrate with. And everything goes through a pretty rigorous security process. So it's like, how can we give people as broad an exposure to DeFi as possible? And that's without having to know all the nitty gritty. So if they right. use our platform, then they'll just be able to hop in and, and do it. And, you know, there are a lot of people doing this exact thing. You know, I don't want to say we're better than anybody else, but we are different. And if you like our user experience, we have some of the best analytics. Hit that more info button and you'll be greeted by, you know, your profit deltas, uh, a bunch of information about the underlying assets, about the right. APR yield, all of that. You can add trading fees or remove them for LP tokens to see what underlying assets are doing, you know, with the incentives and with with trading fees. I mean, just giving people a lot of power. And then, you know, you can click the buttons in the bottom to see our contracts right. verified. And then, yeah, we, we have three people working on educational tools. And eventually in the more info button, we'll have a link to like lessons about the project. Like really, really, we've got beautiful, you know, web flow environments, really reactive web pages. We're thinking about incentivizing learning kind of a lot of people are kind of in the same vein with vaults because we plug into so much different stuff and we just kind of, we want our ecosystem and the industry to succeed. So it's, we're investing heavily in uh, education and we went from three people to like 26 in a couple of months. So we've got like so much stuff that people have been working on that's coming out in the next three months. And it's wow. Super- it's going to be a flood out of bite masons, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Reaper. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. No. And I love the fact that, look, I think one of the things that you're doing here is, is making things very transparent for the end user. So many times they ape into something. They don't, they have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. And it's just a standard yield farming play. It's not, not you. I mean, other things that they might be into. So yeah. I think that's, that's fantastic. You guys are always thinking about yeah. how to make sure the the other Legos that you're bringing in are safer. And at the same time, what you're doing is safe. That's, yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. 200 million in TVL. So total value locked. How, how did that grow over time? I mean, did you guys have like this massive surge all at once because Phantom, everybody in Phantom was looking for something to, to play in. And they, I, I will tell you that one of the things I've been most impressed with about Phantom is the community is so hardcore and so yeah. serious. It was yeah, we are super incredible. technical. I yeah. love like we're technical, collaborative, you know, it's, it's a real joy to work on this network. And I was, I probably of, of the first, you know, hundred smart contracts deployed on Phantom, probably like 30 of them, you know, nice. and back in the, back in the remix test project days. But yeah, I mean, I think part of that is a lot of it is like Andre fans. Yeah. Um, and Andre fans are generally on the more technical side, either the more technical side or like the absolute like risk on DGen side, but the people making projects are the technical ones. So yeah, yeah, um, sure. it is, it, it is a, a thriving community and, some of the recent stuff has kind of, you know, thrown us for a loop, but we're, we're kind of that happens. Uh, getting our edge back there. But yeah, impressive it is group, just impressive, awesome. serious. Yeah. Nobody was shilling anything. Nobody made me feel like, yeah. you know, it was, a- it's not a VC chain. It's like, yeah, it's all grassroots. If yeah. you know the history of Phantom, it's like, 
yeah it, it was a vc thing and then the vcs all exited and then the community picked it up and it's like a shitcoin project you know it's like uh the community saved it. it uh saved it and you know brought on andre and suddenly you've got like a rapid prototyper who actually knows what he's doing and he developed uh you know this crazy consensus that is like so simple and effective it's just a dag that uses timestamps to ensure that execution is ordered properly and it's it's as simple as that and well, it really is a beautiful place to work i got enthusiastic about it before i even knew andre was involved the problem the problem with not having vcs is it's like still kind of a liquid we're trying to solve a lot of those problems because it's like communities trying to build liquidity together which is way harder than oh right. i got a seed investment and now i'm just going to you know make it uh, generate income so yeah, it's like yeah. a problem we're all we're all working on it's just the volatility is problem but we're we're slowly moving past it which is is nice to see every market cycle it gets a little bit better wow that's the most undervalued token on the market right now at oh, least yeah. chain wise anything you guys got more so you have a lot more stuff coming out related to reaper in the future then yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we i mean we've got three strategists working full-time and you know they are really really intelligent like right now pain.finance we have a leverage strategy for that is more efficient than anything else phantom right now nice. because we lever up and unlever with flash loans as opposed to using reserves so yeah it's like we're we're just slowly eating into market share now that we have more people and it's not just me and two other guys like working on 50 things at once <laughs> that's uh, good now we that's can good. focus on more experimental stuff as opposed to just the simpler you know lp auto compounding sort of deal well the cool thing is if you're training the developers right? You're not having to bring in developer who's learned in a different way or function in a different way. You're, yep. you're actually building, I don't want to say molding, but you're actually building yeah. skill sets that match with how you all want to do things. And that's yeah. amazing. Take yeah. longer, like, but yeah, yeah. I, I tell everybody watch Robert Martin's clean code lectures on YouTube. Cause you can't tell everybody to read a book cause not everybody reads books. Yeah. So I tell them to watch those lectures and I tell them to listen to fundamentals of software architecture from O'Reilly on an audiobook. And if you can, if you can get through those two things, you'll be able to speak the language enough as far as design and architecture go that like you can become a high level, you know, software engineer really, really fast. Right. Um, and that's kind of uh, what we go and we, you know, force them to, to do code reviews a lot and, and, you know, do audits. Of course, we don't let them call them audits. But, you know, and we, we're, we're training guys to fuzz our smart contracts and do formal verification. And nice. we're trying to just bring everything in-house because audit firms are busy and they don't necessarily give you the focus you need. So it's like if we don't have a retainership with your audit firm, then, you know, and it's not worth like spending the $50,000 or so, then we're going to have the infrastructure in-house to de-risk all of those contracts. Nice. Uh, and, yeah, we're, we're pretty good at it, I think, thus far. And uh, like we had one mistake and, and we touched on this before the interview, but oh, yeah, we had talk one about issue. That. I would, I would honestly encourage people to hit up my medium OXB bits awesome. and go to awesome. the postmortem and the pre Vita, I called it or post postmortem, yeah. but basically, so we were coming out of testing, deleting all of our hard hat console logs, you know, everything looking good. Fricking we fat finger a line that maintains reserves in the contract. So a line of code that maintains that there are enough reserves in the contract to delever. And then great, everything tests in production, right? Great. Our end-to-end -end testing goes well. Awesome. Everything looks good. 
And then people start depositing, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And suddenly withdrawals aren't working pretty well. Uh, and suddenly that cold sweat kind of creeps uh, up on dude. our necks. So we've got $2 million in these contracts. And, you know, suddenly they stop working. And we uh, analyze, 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 figure out exactly why, hit ourselves on the head. We're like, oh, my God, how did we do this? And then, you know, I write the postmortem. I freaking cry. Basically, you, you know. think the two million's locked forever. It'll never get it back. Yeah, it's like like timeline diverted totally, you know, and it's like everything we did up to this point, VCs start knocking on our doors like, hey, I hear you need $2 million. <laughs> and it's like, we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So the next day we wake up, you Unbelievable. know, we, we, and of course we spent, we spent the whole day doing security ops. We were totally burnt out. So we go to sleep, we wake up, we go to our favorite cafe, sit down and talk and the community, like. Our freaking community had our back so well. We had a guy lose $1.6 million, and he messaged us saying, there's no rush. You don't need to pay me interest. Wow. I love you guys. And wow. like, he, was, he was the guy who lost it most. He, he was like a phantom validator, and like our, our community just like rallied behind us because we'd been like totally transparent. And you know, if, you, if you read my post-mortem article, you could probably see how uh, emotional I was. So... Everybody was really supportive. So, you know, we go to, so I wake up in the morning, I put a $100,000 bug bounty on someone who can help us get this because myself and Goober are totally burnt out, you know, doing security ops. We were frazzled. We know, you know, Compound is like really, really complex. We haven't read their code base top to bottom. So it's like, okay, we need to bring someone in who might be able to help us get past this. Right. So we go to a cafe, we think about how we can move forward as a business, how we can, you know, maintain our values. Like how can we maybe take on money help so we can pay everybody back right away while maintaining our values, thinking about, you know, how can we pay everybody back like in general? If if we didn't take on money, how fast could we do it? Right. You know, analyzing all, all the things we could. And then we get back, we sit down, we start, you know, thinking. And then this dude, Zarigas, messages us, and he's like, dude, I think I know how we can do it. And, of course, the way he thought, like, it could work didn't work. The first two ways he thought didn't work, but we were in a, a voice chat with him for probably 10 to 12 hours that day. Wow. Hacking on this contract. <laughs> and eventually we proofed an attack where basically... I mean, it's essentially us rugging our own contracts. Right. Like basically, we needed to bypass as much logic as we possibly could. And so what we did is we paid off our loan externally, our compound loan. The, and it was levered up a bunch of times. So it was like cost us $6 million or so wow. to actually pay this off because of all the leverage. And we used flash loans. So it ended up only costing us like you know $10,000 or so. But so we paid off our loan and this was all in one big flash loan transaction. We paid off our loan. We, so we initiated an upgrade to our contracts and that takes five days. We have like a five day time lock. So, and when you call an upgrade, you retire the strategy, right. which just withdraws the funds and doesn't give a damn. It just <laughs> deleverages instantly and withdraws the funds and doesn't care about anything else. And because our loan was paid off, it didn't need to deleverage. And our upgrade bypassed all that logic. So we were able to yoink all the, all the $2 million out and nice. distribute it to everybody that was affected. 
Nice. Um, and everything turned out kind of hunky dory. And awesome. it took us to actually execute the attack took us a couple weeks. Like it took a ton of testing and proofing and it was like a, a really monumental challenge. And Goober did a lot of the actual design of the, I guess you would call them attack contracts or sure. exploit contracts. But yeah. And I mean, as, as a learning experience, it made us way better manual analysts because this is a Regis guy, literal, I don't want to like tell you his credentials, but as high as it goes, as far as software analysis. So we were talking with him 12 hours. We were like, getting really intimate with, with all of these systems and like really getting a new perspective on, you know, security, you know, all of these features, why do they exist? You know, touching on everything and pulling on all the knobs and levers, trying to get that 2 million to flush out, but it ended up well. And I think after that, like we immediately started hiring because we were way stretched too thin. We got super into DevSecOps. You know, we were like, how can we de-risk all of our smart contract related operations to a point where we didn't have to ever, 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 ever sit down and talk about how we can possibly move forward with our business. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And now, you know, we're responsible. So for you never have people. that desperate feeling again. Exactly. And it's like our, cause that's when your values are comp- get compromised, you know, sure. is during moments of de- desperation. And yeah, we're, we're really kind of idealistic to a certain point. We're realistic. So we know like, you know, a lot of our ideals will, will be a monumental challenge to actually realize, but it is like, we want to stick to our guns no matter what. That's sure. that's kind of the most important thing. And now like we're really comfortable with where we're at and we just move slow, test everything thoroughly, double check, triple check, quadruple check, make sure there are TVL limits on new everything and just uh, keep it moving that way. And well, the cool uh, thing is, is you probably, I mean, you know, you obviously had a ton of experience and skills. You were obviously accomplished developer. You obviously thought about a lot of things, but there's that moment where there's something like this happens and it could be the simplest, dumbest thing that you know better, right? Or that you didn't know yet, but that's that moment when it's kind of like, okay, wait, I, there are so many other perspectives I have to think about that it, it opens the door to just making you better, right? It becomes an opportunity to build a better team, build a better products, build your own skills, whatever. So that's those, those kinds of things. Yeah. That which does not kill you makes you stronger, I guess. Before and after that uh, week, I was a totally different person. I, I, I can confidently say a little bit of PTSD. Uh, <laughs> worked on that. Like every time, every time there's like a production <laughs> bug or execution doesn't uh, work as expected. Like I, I get the, the cold sweat a little bit. Um, I'm sure. But uh, sure. yeah, it is. It, it has made me much better at this and better for it to happen when we have like 30 million TVL as opposed to, to 200. 200 million TVL. Yeah. yeah. Is partnering a big part of your business? Like partnering with other protocols, integrating other protocols. Is, is that a big part? I mean, it usually is a big part of DeFi, but is that a big part yeah. of what you guys have to do? I mean, there's this thing like I say is like, don't run your DeFi business like a t-shirt business. Like I, before I was into DeFi, I was super into like fashion. I was even trying to become like a fashion designer. Like I can wow. cut and sew and pattern make. Wow. But yeah. Have you designed the merch? <laughs> oh yeah, we have. <laughs> but people are iffy about merch and DeFi just because of identity stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And all that. Yeah. But yeah, t-shirt businesses, like they focus on collabs and, and marketing collabs more than they focus a lot of them on the actual designs and things like that. So we're really engineering design first. 
So all of our partnerships are literally like really in-depth security partnerships, ah. business advisory partnerships. Got like, it. hey, we are going to be blazing a trail. We're the Bite Masons. If you if your ethics align with ours and your desires align with ours, then we will partner with you and we will let you kind of walk on the road behind us and let us kind of do all the research it takes to to make you as successful as possible. And it's just kind of like, we can't alone enact or impress our vision on the world. Yeah. So it's just a group effort there. In terms of what you guys are looking for, for the project itself, in terms of team, obviously people willing to learn development. Do you guys have designers, that, that kind of thing that are joining you? Front-end devs, people that are experienced, what kind of things do you guys need? Yeah, I mean, needs right now, it's pretty much like we need people who can do formal verification on smart contracts. We need people who can manage automated tooling, and we need DevOps guys. Luckily, like, I come from an art background, like, as far as all my free time before I figured out software engineering. So, like, on the marketing side and, and the design side and all that, I've got, like, a ton of connections. Nice. And even people on our team are, like, you know, legends in their own right, just because, you know, we've got a ton of people that we just know from, you know, trying to pursue excellence in other domains that are like, oh, damn, now I can do all this stuff and be, you know, make money or have an actual job. So, um, it's just, yeah, as far as these, it's just really, really passionate people with skills and there are a lot of really really passionate people out there and we help them get skills but it's like you know as long as you can take yourself 80 percent of the way we can take you toward the last most challenging you know 20 nice. percent uh, to, to achieving the the professional sheen that's kind of required to participate in at least a business like ours or any business that's trying to be kind of a blue chip top tier group that's great is there anything else we need to tell everybody about Bite Mason's Great Reaper, what's coming next? Anything else? No, I mean, yeah, we uh, we touched on Reliquary. That's probably the big one. Yeah, we've got like a lot of crazy architectures that we have like prototyped and stuff that are in the chamber that I can't talk about, but that we're excited about. Right. But yeah, we, we just have a really fabulous team. I think, you know, we're trying to pursue public good and I think we have the tools to do so. And, you know, we're taking the Dow model of, you don't need fiduciary responsibility to run a successful business and taking that to kind of the limit of can we create a financial company that is the antithesis to finance as it exists today? Can this literally be a way to make the world a better place as opposed to uh, polarize everything? Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the mission. And if you like that, definitely go. To, you can hit up bitemasons.com and you can hit up reaper.farm get into our discord channel the reaper.farm discord channel is uh really popping we've got one of the best communities in the space i don't know if they'll last once we have a token but we actually have discord like designs for discords to route moon boys into areas where they can do as little damage to our community as possible uh, so, yeah we're really really like every little detail we we go for bikemates.com is a dope ass website oh that's awesome yeah, but uh, yeah, and we've got Reaper you stats. Definitely have your aesthetic down. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We our artist. He goes by Spooky Noob. He's like really, really talented, fabulous, and it's just like we're we're really anti corporate, and we want to attract people that are 
not necessarily anti-corporate, but can understand the reason we're doing this. Like, yeah. you know, why, why make something that is maybe not as palatable as it could be? And it's to force people to dig in if they want entry. So it's like a really hard video game boss that most people just give up the game at. You just need like that so you can make sure your community is uh, attracting the people you want it to. So we're definitely a community first organization and we try to keep the art and the style and the aesthetic and all of our service kind of toward that end. Like we, everybody on our team, I'm like, you, it, your job is whatever you're hired for plus customer service. <laughs> so we're, we're in the chat all the time, uh, making sure our users are taken care of, but awesome. Uh, yeah, totally. Two more things. Could you read for us your mission statement that you read for me at the beginning? Sure, sure. The Byte Masons mission statement. Byte Masons, in the pursuit of public good, seek to improve access to financial tools, transparency of financial organizations, and ethics in business operations. We will strive to set safety, security, and service standards of the DeFi industry and seek excellence in everything we do for the betterment of our community and ecosystem. And anytime we want to do something new, we're just like, okay, does this touch on all of the different things in our mission statement? If yeah. it does, we give it the thumbs up. If not, we're like, okay, maybe we need to, to, to redesign this a little bit. But yeah, it just, it just helps us. Having something simple like that is just a good check. You know, It's like Great. a require statement or something. It's like, if, if you can't, if all these assertions are not true as it pertains to this thing we're releasing or developing or working on, it doesn't need to be worked on. I but, like it. Yeah. I like it. Totally. Driving force. Okay. So last question. I asked this question of everybody that comes on the show. Name for me someone or project that you think is inspirational, innovative, or just really driving D5 forward. Somebody that, you know, inspires you. I would say, God, this is a tough one. So runners up, you know, you That's got good. I like that. Her. You got Yearn, Balancer, Uniswap, Ave. Sure. I think they are the epitome of excellence. Nice. Um, but number one, I would say, is primitive finance. And primitive finance is like the developer's favorite project, favorite project, favorite project. The developer's favorite project's favorite project is what primitive is. It's like, I... so it's an options platform. There are doing the best, most advanced research on AMMs, RF, RMMs, RFMMs. And I'm friends with their head of research. And she like teaches me so much nice. about, you know, stochastics, about, you know, graph theory, about black shoals and options and all this crazy stuff. And they're working on implementing by far the nuttiest software in all of DeFi. That's uh, amazing. It is. It is really inspirational. I don't even like they're in V1 right now. I know research wise, they're like league. They're they have the best AMM researchers, I would say. Like them and Balancer. I mean, probably Uniswap, but Uniswap, we don't really know what's going on under the hood. They're the whole thing's close to their chest, but yeah. like the best researchers. And you know, if you're into uh math or physics. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff they're doing is like physics. <laughs> so crazy. Uh, it's like, yeah, it is really crazy. And their website, of course, won't load. You can tell it's a team of researchers because their <laughs> website won't load. <laughs> but yeah, it's their, their That's research is super duper fabulous. And as someone who's just a nerd, it's kind of, 
joy to be able to to talk with their team members and see what they're working on. They're so focused. They're so focused on the research that they don't even worry about the website. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that's like the classic applied mathematician, uh, sure. you know, move. Yeah, absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're it really very cool. well could be something with my wallet connection. So who knows? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm not a good trader. All I do is like hedge against volatility in a way, like with all my money, because that's the only sure thing. Is like if you're making money off volatility and DeFi, then you're good to go i don't yeah that's gold or do any of that but yeah i just i just market make and let the coins do what they want and i just uh, my, let my tokens do their thing yeah don't listen to me as far as investing goes i'm not an advisor <laughs> well you did do a piece uh i can't remember oh, for dow yeah yeah oh yeah oh we were i want to talk about v33 you want to talk <laughs> about that a little bit or you got to go yeah yeah no i i'm i mean i'm uh you know an engineer on OXDAO, I yeah, uh, there. I guess it's like probably more people know them than they do Reaper or Byte Masons. So. Well, that's just recent PR, but so OXDAO was created to take advantage of what VE33, the project that Andre Cronier is launching, because it required TVL top TVL twenty on top on, twenty on on Phantom, right? Yeah, yeah. So you guys created that to get there, to get a project up there. Yeah, yeah. We were like, all of the Phantom Native developers were like getting pissed off because we're all anti-VC guys and all this venture money was just moving on chain uh, and pushing their own projects into the top 20. Right. Um, so we were all like, and, and Andre was like, fair game. And we were like, okay, fair game. All right. So <laughs> we instantly made, you know, in, in a couple of days, we made the highest TVL project on Phantom, one of the highest TVL awesome. projects in all of DeFi. Yeah. Um, and of course... Like if you re read my article, like I was explaining to people that like this is a farm and dump project. The way to succeed is to farm and dump. And Do dump. not expose yourself. Yeah, to token. that was a great post. Yeah, it, and people of course still aped, and I think any any amount of warning, people will still, still like do. people are addicted to volatility. It's like flies to yeah to Dookie. But yeah, we so we did that. We got the biggest VE three three allocation, and it it is like you know. Tech-wise, Balancer is objectively better, and we have Balancer on Phantom in the form of Beethoven, oh, Beethoven right, X, yeah. Beats.Fi. And they actually are like a friendly fork. They they work with the Balancer team nice. on, on developing Balancer. But yeah, so it is like, I'm not, I'm like really risk-averse. I don't speculate. You know, I invest in like really good undervalued tech. That's all I do. Right. So seeing this, it's like, okay, this is going to be run entirely on game theory. It's going to run entirely on, you know, tokens, which kind of goes against like, you know, my values. I was going to say that uh, must have been really strange for you. Dude, it like, I got looped into this thing and I was like kind of pissed off. I was like, dude, I don't want to be associated with this, but they wanted me to like uh, review all their contracts and and all that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stick around. I'll review your code. And I was like, if I'm sticking around, you need to let me release this article telling people like warning. So, to, but, so uh, you think it's a project that'll keep going with some focus and, and purpose later? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the token, like, I, I mean, really is hate it. A, is it a bunch of different projects and people kind of just each of you working on pieces of it, but it's yeah, not like exactly. anyone's prime focus? Yeah. So, I mean, it'll, it'll be around forever. It's just like, we will get to a point where it's self-sustainable and then it'll probably be like, here it is guys. Yeah. Uh, have fun with it. Have fun with it. Yeah. We're working on it. I say, you know, I, I hold zero. 
you know, Bite Masons hold zero. I mean, some of the individual guys do just because they're like, ah, be this is out of that. You know, he's working on something, but I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm fun. it's just a kind of a distraction sometimes. Yeah, it is fun. Just as long as, you know, I'm like, just limit exposure, guys. It's a farm token at the end of the day until we make it not. Yeah, until um, you make it something else. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just a wait. Wow, wow pretty freaking successful. I mean, that was amazing to watch. Yeah, it was freaking insane. And I couldn't, if I, if I didn't have like a security engineering, like, you know, background, I would have been so nervous about $4 billion, but luckily, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. It, it's fun. It was fun. Unfortunately, I have to work weekends on it, which is annoying, but we'll get there. Funny. I interviewed uh, Scoopy Trooples and he told me how excited they were when everything was going great and everybody was talking about Alchemix and diving into it. And and then all of a sudden, he said, like, a couple of days in, he started having these massive panic attacks, like, just, yeah. like, losing it because he realized what he had actually taken on in terms of people's yeah. money, you know? Yeah. And he had a lot of people help him in, in DeFi yeah. talk him down and, and deal with it. But I can imagine that's a lot of stress, you know? That's, yeah. like, crazy. Yeah, that's what I did for, I think, our clients early on. I actually <laughs> explained the gravity of what they were doing. Yeah, and, uh, before they them- took it on. <laughs> exactly. Kind of self- you probably but... saved us all from a lot of hassle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if you talk to me for an hour about a project you want to do, like 99% of the time you'll be convinced you don't want to do it. Nice. Because DeFi is like so hard. And people just think, like we have... Um, like safety, like ethos in Byte Masons, where if you don't mind, I'm going to like pull this up real quick sure, and, and read it to you because this is like what we find is a big problem with DeFi and DeFi teams in general and how they approach software. And it's like as security engineers, like we are, there's safety and then there's security. Like security is the easy part. Security is the stuff that is well-documented. Security is the stuff you can learn. Whereas safety is the stuff that you need to like research and master. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like we have this deck we use to onboard people to kind of teach them why DeFi exists. So we have the safety versus security slide. And we say uh, a perfectly secure system is one whose code is stable in any context, executes logic exactly as specified, and defends against external attack vectors. There are a plethora of well-documented techniques to accomplish this. Okay, security, easy. A perfectly safe system is one which protects users from unacceptable amounts of risk. Unacceptable amounts of risk is defined by each individual business, and the techniques needed to build a safe environment differ based on context. As you can imagine, this makes safety much harder to analyze and create solutions for. And then we have examples of like a safe token launch, an unsafe token launch. Oh, wow. And we have like, we get really, really deep into it like what it means to be a DeFi developer and how to think about the safety of the end user. And that's like a massive, 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 massive problem. As people get so excited about the fun of DeFi development, they forget that their actions have consequences. And and we we preach that hardcore. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that a document you share out in the world or is that just for internal? Yeah, we, I kind of share it. I like, yeah, I, I share it here and there. I'll share it with you right now. Yeah, I'd love to take a look at it. I won't put it out to the world, but I'll take it. Yeah, you can if here. you want. You, you, you're you definitely uh, allowed. Yeah, okay, you can cool. put it out into the world. Because it sounds it's like just... it's infinitely useful for people. Yeah, and I have like a present, like uh, we record all of our presentations and code reviews and stuff. So oh, nice. Uh, like when, when someone comes to me and is like, can you help me learn 
and I'm like, here you go. And we have like probably months worth of resources for people to dive into. But nice. yeah, that's the document. It, it just Got goes it. over different types of governance, safety, security, capital efficiency, liquidity, that's market phenomenal. anchors, things like that. Um, and uh, it's just like, okay, you're going to be a bite mason now. And you can see the the slide that's really sparse, number five. We're like, you know, following up the safety and security slides with a bite mason's responsibilities. Nice. Systems that are as safe and secure as possible. And then and then we get into why DeFi matters and why it's more efficient than TradFi and why it's awesome and, and what investors are looking for and what users are looking for. You know, yeah, there's just a ton of a ton of neat stuff. So yeah, it's you can feel free to, to share hey, that. Or yeah, if you don't yeah. mind, I'd love to share it. I don't, I don't want to like, you know, but I think this is something that could be incredibly useful to a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. It just, it just teaches people to speak the language of uh, DeFi because you need to know finance if you're in DeFi and you need to know why DeFi exists. Sure. Otherwise you're just going to be like maybe having too much fun. It's, yeah. it's really fun, but it is like people forget how serious this stuff is. It's incredibly um, serious. Yeah, we all yeah. laugh about things, but at the end of the day, it's it's people's money. Yeah, you can look at those tweets. One of them is Polkadot going from like $40 to like $2. And one of them is Ethereum going from like 3000 or so dollars to 700 and Just outlining liquidity problems in DeFi and why <laughs> everything is a shit coin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's a lot of fun kind of opening people's minds in, in such like a concise uh, way just thinking about all of these things differently it's just giving people a mental framework to to think yeah. about DeFi and analyze it that's fantastic oh look at that that's beautiful wow yeah it's like ethereum you know how big is their market cap and that's happening in real time you know yeah in your token yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh a lot of fun people beautiful. laugh when they see all this stuff wow man well listen i I really appreciate your time on the interview, but I, I think I appreciate more what you guys are trying to do in the ecosystem. And I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. Just really, you know, I mean, there, there are a lot of people that I respect in this industry, but the approach you're taking, the attitude you guys are taking, I'm pretty, pretty amazed, pretty impressed. And I appreciate that you guys are there. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's, it is like. My life's work, and it will hopefully continue to be my life's work. It is. We're all super duper passionate. I'm like being moved to tears right now. Thank nice. You. It sounds like you're uh, building yeah. for the long term, man, and building yeah. to make an impact. And and yeah. you know that's that's not an easy thing to maintain. And the fact that you guys have things like mission statements and 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 ethos that you want everyone in the group to live by is uh, it's a critical thing. It's an important thing, and it's something I want to hear. I want DeFi people to think about more so i'm really i'm excited to put this one out there yeah yeah thank you yeah i'm i'm excited about it and you know we're just trying to reach a broad audience so we can get people paying attention to what we're doing so maybe sure. they can uh steal some of our ideas that's good um, that's good man yeah. well listen it's the kind of thing too that'll make people feel safer about it that that eventually puts more revenue into bike masons which means you guys can do more and build more and grow more and trade more and that's that's yeah. ultimately what we want right totally exactly Beautiful. Justin, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun.